Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Again, I'm Chris, here with Patrick. Hello. Elizabeth. Hello. And Stephen. Hi. And on today's show, a monstrosity of a man sits in a dim room with filthy clothes, surviving on fast food, glued to a screen. But enough about my weekend. We're here to talk about 13 cameras. Jesus Christ. Groan. <laughs> I'm working on this. I'm working on this. So, 13 cameras. It's at the beginning of the alphabet. We're in the numbers now. We've moved on from the special characters. Oh, that's right. It's a milestone. It's a milestone. I'll drink to that. What are we drinking, Elizabeth? Well, I just made some spicy margs for everyone. Margaritas, for those of you who don't know what a marg is. I think so far, I don't know what the reviews are on these. View it, cue it, or screw it. I know we have one screw it because Patrick thinks they are too spicy. But we'll see what I happens. say view it, but with less spice next time. Okay. Well, anyway, we're drinking spicy marks. View it with prejudice, view I would it, say. View it with prejudice. I would say cue it. I think it's pretty good. Okay. I think um, we got a lot of chili powder on the rim. I guess that's what you do with a marg. You season it on the rim. Um, the drink itself is, is a typical kind of marg. It's got a cucumber in it, which I like because it's anti-inflammatory. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, drinking some marks. 13 cameras. 13 goddamn cameras. Well, well, we'll get into how many cameras are actually in this movie. I think that's worth discussing. <laughs> Anybody worth want to discussing. describe this movie briefly before we get into it? I, this, this one's more simple than this. this. Is a, I was going to say, this is the simple. simplest movie we've ever watched. A young couple rents a home and does not realize that there are cameras in the home that the landlord is watching their life through. That's basically That's it. the story. That's the That's story. It. And the landlord, we meet him early on. He's gross, disgusting, movie monster of a man, Frankenstein monster kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Peter Stormare meets John Goodman meets Sling Blade is sort of what I, what I felt about <laughs> him. He's a very disgusting person. Um, he has the typical sort of like pervert creep glasses, except these seem to be custom made for the film. They're almost steampunk. <laughs> They're like he has a very striking, very presence. reflective, too. octagonal or something, octagonal, octagonal. Um, yeah. Well, the this guy, he, I mean, he is great for the role. He's this creepy landlord who watches people on camera and basically gets what he's hoping for is naked ladies. And when he gets them, he just grunts in a pretty creepy way and he does it really well i mean it's not everybody who can grunt in that manner and i think he he nails it a masturbatory way and it's unclear at many times whether or not he's actually masturbating or if he just has such a visceral hands-free reaction to seeing women on camera i think later in the film it, it, it he does finally pull out some tissues but no he starts over. to he starts to unbuckle his belt like uh, it's implied that he's going to masturbate but the film is too you know it's too genteel to show us that sort of thing <laughs> To put it it's, it's a refined this is n film for sure well why don't we back up and, and start where the movie begins this is very much an exploitation film i think it's cashing in on the you know the the technological craze of miniature surveillance cameras the movie sets out to make you the viewer afraid that you might be watched and it gives these phony statistics about <laughs> how you know 18,000 people a year are surveilled in their homes without their are knowledge they, are those phony statistics do we know well they're not these attributed are, these anything, are the statistics so. let's try and consider these I actually made notes of these when, when they popped up on screen because the movie literally begins with these two titles uh, 30 million surveillance cameras have been sold that's just kind of a general statistics I thrown it. out there i guess Fine. in like check the, consumer reports the history but sounds legit. of man eight thousand people were watched without their knowledge last year what's last year probably like 2015 in the yeah, context 20, of okay. yeah yeah i don't know does that sound i mean who knows how many people were watched well it's not so far-fetched that we're like fuck no that's impossible. i have no, no frame of reference but I, yeah. I just find it amusing when a movie uses this sort of tactic like that's immediately going to instill fear in me i think it it's an effort to make up for sort of a lack of skill in the acting writing and directing departments that they feel like they're trying to scare you before the movie even begins it's like an after school special it's like a technological parable like this is what could happen because right. of modern technology sure. you know yeah it's it's 
trying to make you think it's a topical film. Yes. And maybe they were fundraising on that promise, but I don't know. <laughs> it's directed by uh, uh, some Russian guy, or I don't know if he's actually from Russia. He has a Russian name, and I, don't, I think he's from Europe. Do we know anything about that? I know nothing. It was a first feature. I know that. Yeah, so it's a directorial debut. It's got that going for it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, uh, so who are our protagonists? We'll, we'll use that Literally term loosely. Literally the world's biggest garbage human. Like, the, the <laughs> husband in this film is the world's biggest garbage human. He has a pregnant wife, and just from moment one, I mean, he's cheating on his wife with his hot with assistant. The assistant. Another movie with an assistant. <laughs> an assistant, yeah. Do we ever... I, I was puzzled. Maybe someone. Else, maybe I missed this. What does this guy do? I think he works for some kind of cellular company or like why? Uh, imagine him company. as a, the like manager of a Verizon store, who like should not need an, a, a quote unquote assistant. It just it seemed completely bizarre to me that he had a quote unquote assistant to begin with. Yeah, that was that but, was like. But I mean, you know what? That's not the. That's fine. It's. I mean, yeah, it's not the point, but it was still. It still struck me as bizarre. See, I thought that the characters in this movie were like normal people. Uh, I don't know. I thought everyone was very... Well, we can get into that. I mean, no one was admirable. There's no one admirable in this movie. But it was pretty much just like, yeah, here's a movie about some shitty people that you might meet in real life. I mean, emphasis on shitty, because I thought at least the husband was just a terrible person. And also, he didn't make any sense to me. Like, just... He he didn't look like a guy who would have an assistant, and there was totally nothing miscast. I mean, even nothing physically. scripted. Yeah. So yeah, we basically to make got plausible. We got a young couple, and he's like the poor man's Lee Wannell, if I can use that. I don't Please think anyone do, has ever said that, that, that before. He's um he's uh horror fans will know him as the kid who was chained up in the bathroom and saw who's gone on to play the paranormal investigator in two of the three Insidious movies. Apparently, I'm not a horror fan. Um, anyway, <laughs> well, the horror fans will eat that one up. I don't know if I pronounced his name right, though. Um, and she, I don't know, maybe she's the poor man's uh, Rachel McAdams or something. Wait, so you're saying he looks like Lee Wannell? Yeah, he does. He's kind of got the, like, scruffy millennial kind of vibe. Yeah. And she is very pregnant, and that's how you would describe her character. She's she's the type of pregnant woman in a movie who is like constantly caressing the bottom of her belly. We know to she's remind pregnant. you that she has a baby. In well, her. the movie also has uh, there are some interesting touches. The only one I remember, though, I, I'm sure I at one point wrote down a couple of ones. There's lots of like imagery in the film that that reminds you that she's pregnant. There's like the sort of umbilical cord in the pool that she's always sitting by when she talks to her mom. Oh, Do you, you think they? About? You think they aspired that far? Why else would it be there? <laughs> I mean, it's it's clearly meant to be okay. symbolic. Isn't it just it's like a filter affected. or something in the bottom? It's of the like pool? part of the pump, but like the oh. way that it, the fact that they left it in there, it seemed mm. to be a choice. And I okay, grew my huh. that's fine. Well, but, yeah. I think that I mean, whatever. They're just like kind of shitty normal people, honestly. Like I didn't like. Yeah, they're shitty, but a lot of people have affairs. This dude is having an affair with his quote unquote secretary. That happens all the time. She's like a pregnant stay-at-home person who is always like busy, which is kind of a joke of the movie because he's always like, what are you doing today? And she's like, oh, I have hot yoga and then lunch with Angela. And like, she's like, I'm <laughs> going to be- book club. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to be exhausted by the time you get home. But I mean, like, I think there's a lot of ladies out there like that, you know? And then the other sort of, I mean, besides the landlord, the other main character is this like hot assistant who is just kind of like an assistant who's really into the a dude who happens to be the husband and is kind of obsessed with him, which, like, that happens all the time, too. I mean, these are, like, pretty standard characters. I was fascinated. She's the world's busiest pregnant woman. At one point, she's like, oh, I've got my mommy potluck until 1030 tonight. I, I couldn't See, believe that's, it. That's this normal. is all set up so he has time to cheat on her in their home. And I yeah. just could not believe how active this woman was, even for a non-pregnant woman. I mean, she's Agreed. got something going on every night. Yeah. And mostly she's busy telling us that she's pregnant because that's how we know she's pregnant because through the first 20 minutes of the movie literally every scene she's in she's like I just can't wait for the little guy to get here <laughs> well <laughs> that yeah, brings that's me something that most... I was going to bring up later but I want us to keep this in mind while we're talking about this movie um, I don't often do this with films because it's become a trope that I tend to find kind of annoying but does this movie pass the Bechdel test no no, <laughs> I, there is that one scene. What Unless, scene? Uh, talking about a, pr- a unborn baby. Yes, and, the, and the, who turns out to be 
a male. Does it? I don't know. She, talk, she talks to her mom on the phone at one point, and the only time she mostly talks about her husband, but then she mentions the kid, and that's the end of the conversation. And arguably, they're talking about a man. Wait, so but we we talked over Elizabeth. What? You said that. Are this you saying that's how most not preg- pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, yeah, this podcast is not. Are you you're saying that's how most pregnant women are, I think, was your point, I just point, think right? that, like, we're talking the main characters in the movie. These are just normal people. And, you know, you guys are like, oh, my God, she acts so pregnant. Like, that's how, like, a lot of pregnant ladies that I see at work are yeah, all the true. time. Yeah, that's true. People so, will like, have pregnant and they want and they the want world to the know. world to know. And, like, mommy and me potlucks are real. And, like, that's all real. And, you know... Men have affairs with their secretaries all the time. Well, the reason I that's bring up the, the true Bechdel horror test, of this movie. To like, me, the, the true horror is that everyone in this movie is a real person. Is real. <laughs> it's a documentary. <laughs> well, the reason I thought to bring that up because otherwise it seems ridiculous. I mean, it, we can't hold every movie to that standard. Um, but I, I was really offended by the way the wife was portrayed in this film. I mean, she was so oblivious and clueless throughout the entire thing. There were so many clues, so many opportunities she had to wake up to the fact that her husband is cheating on her, and that he is just playing awful to her in literally every scene. And it takes probably two-thirds of the runtime for her to even begin to wake up and realize that she's being mistreated. I just felt like that was a really uncharitable, uh, uncharitably written character. Well, not only that, I think that the writer-slash-director of this film sympathized more with the male cheater and thought we would too. Yes. That's how mm. that's what happens in Russia, dude. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, I agree with that though. I I don't know, I just reacted so viscerally to that character. He just seemed so terrible. And I don't know if that was what was intended. I think it was. We'll get to it when we discuss the the final act of the film. We're not supposed to like him. I think we are supposed to sympathize with the wife, and I found it difficult to do so as the film went on. I found myself more frustrated by her lack of awareness and attention to detail in her own life. I sympathize most with the dirty mistress. She, like, seemed to have it pretty together. She was, like, she she behaved fairly reasonably, and... Um, fairly intelligently as the film went along. Well, I don't think there's any sympathetic characters in this film, but I think we should talk about a little bit kind of what happens. at the. We should get into the plot no, a little bit. No, I have to tell you what I thought was sympathetic. Um, the landlord. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, something I thought was interesting when I was watching this movie is my sympathies kind of shifted like back and forth. Like I was, as a moral person, I was rooting against the husband and for the woman but in the scenes where she was like about to catch him i was rooting for him and then the scenes where she like he was out of the house and she was trying to put the pieces together i was rooting for her it was kind of like the departed (laughs) it was actually kind of gripping to me and i think i felt similarly i wouldn't say i was rooting for either of them but i was i was curious to see how the scene would play out i did get a little bit involved in the drama even though it was pretty poorly acted um, these are some of the most lackluster performances I've seen yeah. in a movie in a long time. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did. I appreciated the fact. I mean, it's. I think it's tough. It's tough to write a book with no sympathetic characters. It's tough to make a movie with no sympathetic characters, or to have your sympathies like change on a whim. And you know, I think this movie actually did do that because there's not any one protagonist that you're rooting for, unlike. Many of the other movies that we've seen so far. Well, I was—I will say, I mean, we've left out perhaps the most important character, Baron the dog, I found to be very sympathetic. Oh, the hero of the film. (laughs) Without question. Why don't we back up a little bit and start back at the beginning? So we have this exploitation montage at the beginning of cameras. couple moves into a new house. They have a dinner party with two of their friends that really sets up their characters. And there is some absolutely disgusting dialogue between our main quote-unquote protagonist and his best friend. Patrick has something I have a quote. I I wrote down my favorite line. I've got a couple as well. From this entire movie, the like douchey best friend says to... He looks like PewDiePie. You know know what I'm talking about? He's like the epitome, the textbook definition of douche. So he and his wife or girlfriend, I think they're married. He has a wife, yeah. He and his wife are standing on the doorstep of this couple's house, like, waiting to come in. They've rung the doorbell. They're waiting to come in for the dinner party. And... Uh, oh, he's brought a bottle of wine. That's right. That's the context for all this because she's pregnant. So yeah, the yeah. wife is like, you brought a bottle of wine to a pregnant woman's house. And he says, we got to go to Crate and Barrel every time somebody moves into a house. Give me a fucking break. Okay, <laughs> Which was, first of all, relatable. <laughs> I yeah, was like... Relatable. I mean, d- super douchey line, but 
I laughed. I think I laughed out loud when that happened. I was like, fun, true and funny. Yeah. That's what I thought about that line. Yeah. Anyways, you have lines as well, Stephen? Um, not as many as I thought. I mean, basically, the, the, the summary of the conversation... So they... The two parties separate. The two women stay. This is how we got thinking about the Bechdel test. The two women stay inside and talk about the men, and the men go outside right. and talk about the girls, and they sip their beers. And, and we discover that the our male protagonist is very unhappy in his relationship. He says his wife is basically just a glorified roommate. And we're maybe 15 to 20 minutes into the movie at this point, and the horror has really yet to have been set up. I don't even know if we've seen any of the... I think maybe during the dinner party we see POV from the the landlord's cameras, do we? Yeah, and we know know that their house is bugged because we see the the guy whose name is Gerald. Did you know that? Yeah, Mm. I I did know that. Yeah, Gerald is the name of the, the guy. And we see him at, you know, the hardware store buying the surveillance equipment and working on the thing and everything. Which also yields a laugh line for me, too, because the hardware store clerk is like, you seem like a reasonable guy. (laughs) And he's like non And he's just like like, standing there mouth breathing. He's like an ape from Planet of the Apes. But, you know, we know the house is is videotaped because the opening of the movie is, is the landlord, Gerald, putting these cameras in all these crazy places in the house. So we kind of know that going in and at this dinner party, I think there are some POVs from the cameras in the house and he's just like at home watching waiting yeah. for something to happen so you know they're, they're trying to ratchet up suspense but through you know if you're so if you're listening to this and you're like well what's the what's the feeling of this movie where's the horror come from I guess really what you're watching in this movie is people going about their mundane lives and dealing with relationship drama and we're just supposed to be creeped out that there's someone watching them and, yeah, it, it's kind of going for like a potboiler thing where there really isn't much horror for a long time other than just these people kind of carrying on their mundane and sordid sort of lives as Gerald is just watching them. And, and like Gerald, Gerald is, you know, he's creepy because he's just kind of physically gross and he smells bad apparently. And it's like, okay, so there's an ugly guy who smells bad and he's watching you. All right. But, you know, I, I don't know. So... Is being washed really that scary? No, that's what I was going to say. Like, honestly, I kind of thought to myself, I mean, this is going to sound bad, but I thought to myself in this movie, like, aside from the fact that, spoiler alert, like, bad things happen, like, having cameras in your house isn't the end of the world, you know? Like, whatever. It it's not the end of the world, it but doesn't it bothers feel like me a, a physical lot. Threat. They're it wasn't also, that creepy. Well, it's, uh, one of the reasons this doesn't work for me for so long in the film is that the characters themselves are unaware that they're being surveilled the entire right. time. We're the only ones who know, and they spend so much, the director spends so much time developing the relationships or the fracture in the relationship that I, and the cameras become integrated just into this, the, the, the cinematography of the film. Often there, there will just be dramatic scenes where we switch to one of the cameras in the corner of the room. Possibly a cost-saving measure. <laughs> Maybe. Because the movie shot conventionally, but I don't know. I don't know what percentage I would say, but a fair amount of the percentage of the running time is shot from the point of view of these cameras while stuff's playing yeah, out. Yeah, probably like 10-20%. Just enough where they could probably cut 10 or 20% of their expensive camera setups and use you know, their phones as cameras and, and save some scratch so that they could pay this Gerald actor. Well, while we've got this potboiler situation going on, the director and the writer, the filmmakers, will say, we'll just put it under one umbrella, don't make any effort to develop the landlord at all. We have no idea what his motivation mm-hmm. is, how he wound up as insane as he is. His body, I mean, there's a scene where they're out of the house and he gets in the pool and he has this really He's fascinating... Ripped fascinating physique he looks like a former bodybuilder who still has a lot of lean muscle he's got very thin arms and bony shoulders like there's a story there and i want to know it yeah and we, muscular we i would say muscular arms and but muscular. The movie, i was just shocked at like how ripped his like shoulders look because i mean he's like a big hulking like kind of fat guy and so like when you first see like more yeah. of his body you're like oh wait this guy is like worked out well yeah they make him out to be a completely disgusting slob with no inclination towards physical fitness but then he, yeah <laughs> He's actually a bodybuilder. Yeah. So, well, well let's talk about that scene. Um, so he, they're both out of the house. I believe this is when they make a pilgrimage. The couple does our protagonist to buy a, an expensive rocking chair two hours oh, away. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the the landlord shows up to install more cameras. I don't know if we're if he's trying to hit thirteen. If we're beyond thirteen at this point, he installs more cameras, including one in the pool uh, after he's seen some of the. Uh, the affair that's going on uh, with the husband and this couple. 
and he at one point swims in the pool. He rubs the girl's toothbrush all over his face. Oh yeah, it's just a yeah low rent, low rent gross out. And exactly like, one of the one of the cheapest gross outs you can possibly imagine. I think. But I appreciate. And I forget the actor's name, but I appreciate his performance in that scene. Like the way he pulls the toothbrush out and like stares at it and just like kind of like weirdly drags it across his lips. As if he's like, never seen a toothbrush yeah, before. I mean, it's inspired the way he performs that. Like it's <laughs> yeah. the weirdness is inspired. Inspired. I did appreciate how he was like creepy in sort of unique ways. Because, like, you think, okay, you finally have access to this house that you've been watching. You've been watching ladies in here. Like, you think, okay, you're going to go straight to the underwear drawer, you know, or whatever. And, like, he doesn't. He kind of just, like, cre- creeps around and touches things that the women have touched and rubs the toothbrush on his face. And I. I kind of appreciated that as like a, a new take on creepy. He does you know, wind up in the underwear drawer. He does. I, yes, sir. Yeah. I think he yeah. takes... Nobody he keeps... It's not the, his first stop. He pulls the underwear <laughs> off of the clothesline. He, yeah, he takes the underwear off the clothesline. Oh, right. Because the, the wife goes out later and the, like there's yeah. just clothespins and something missing. And she's like, huh. Shrugs her shoulders and walks off. Like... <laughs> Okay, the rocking chair, though. You brought the rocking chair. chair. She comes they back go. with the rocking chair. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is where my sympathy shifted. Why don't you go ahead and tell it? Because you brought it up. Oh, so yeah. I mean, they go on, I you know, I don't know how long it is, but it's a, a trip long enough. It's a two-hour drive. For, oh, they say it's a two-hour yeah. drive. They go on a long-ass drive, long enough for the landlord to come over, dick around, install a bunch more hidden cameras while they're buying this antique rocking chair. And she, they come back, they set it down in the nursery or whatever, and it's this bare looking i mean it's not a comfortable looking rocking chair and she sits down and is like he's like how is it and she's like it's not very comfortable and it's like you went that far and you didn't test out you didn't the try, fucking you didn't chair <laughs> <laughs> it's just another uh, at that point they're trying to make us th- relate to the scruffy terrible husband and be like okay yeah. this wife is just a you know miserable person that's interesting i guess i didn't realize that I it just didn't, didn't make a very any misogynistic sense approach it's a very I misogynistic and the and the movie crucifies her for just like doing things like wanting to paint the bedroom and <laughs> like like i this i think this this writer director might i mean hey strong accusation to make having not met the guy maybe it's just a movie that didn't work that's me being nice but he's got some i think he might have some issues with women yeah, what do you, what do you think, Elizabeth? How did you feel about the wife in this movie and the way she was portrayed? I mean, especially the scene that we just discussed. I, you know, well, preface to this comment: I am a woman. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> on this podcast, <laughs> you know, uh, I think there's. I mean, again, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm not. I. I'm a woman. I love women. Whatever. I'm not a woman hater. I think there's a lot of women like that. <laughs> yeah. So I think choosing. I don't think that he portrayed that in the most artful way. And I don't know if this is perhaps the time to portray women in that manner in this day and age. But like, there are a lot of pregnant women who are extremely self-centered who would like force their husbands to go for two hours to get an antique rocking chair and then decide it wasn't comfortable. Like, I literally know women like that personally. So if you want to choose to portray women like that, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, I... Yeah, so not off the mark. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it just felt so weird because she doesn't seem like an unpleasant person most of the time, and so it's like I guess maybe we don't feel offended when she wants to repaint the bedroom or whatever. Um, maybe See, it, maybe she, seemed, she had been more of a menace throughout the movie. See, she to seemed the very. Un- I'm, I mean, I'm not sympathetic to the husband, but she seemed very unpleasant to me. She seemed very demanding, very particular, very uh, my way or the highway. So I kind of felt like. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to fucking come in there for you to paint. The, like, you ought to hang a picture. God damn, you've asked me to hang this picture like 15 times. No, I don't want to get up either. You know, I thought she I, seemed you marry perfectly me? nice. Yeah. I thought she seemed like a nice girl. Just they did not seem suited for each other. Yeah, they seemed regardless. to have different interests. I, I mean, I don't think the director is a misogynist. And, well. All right. well, that's what I'm asking. So you hated them both equally. I think, yeah, I hated them both okay. equally. I thought they okay. were both unsympathetic characters. And there's plenty of people like them in the world today. Yeah, totally that's true. Agree. 
And there's probably a lot of people like Gerald in the world today. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 move the plot. Yeah, forward. can we get to like the big sort of the big like kind of action pivot here? Well, it's actually it's a slow burn because there's plenty of scenes where like they're gone and Gerald enters the house to put in more cameras and like he it's like a close call. Like, are they going to get back before he leaves? And meanwhile, the husband is having sex. At which with... point we're rooting for Gerald again, talking about sympathies changing. Kind we don't of, want we're kind of like Gerald I was kind of like I was never rooting for Gerald. I, I want to go see on but Baron die at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of like let's let's bust it out. So you know, he's Gerald's coming in there. He's putting in more cameras. Sometimes the husband is having sex with the assistant in the house while the wife is gone. Sometimes the assistant is trying to get into the house as the wife's gone. I think it comes to a climax. It sort of builds up because don't forget about the owner's closet. That's yeah. what I was going to bring up. So I'm sorry. Yes, I was going to tie this into when they're setting up the house. At one point, she needs help hanging a picture of some fucking thing. I of don't course. care. And so she needs a hammer and nails. She comes to him, and he gets very upset. And she's like, what now? This has to happen now. And he storms off. He says we have a hammer and nails in a box somewhere. But for some reason, he goes to a closet that they've never been in before. And well, no, it's he, set he, up. It's set up in, like, the opening scenes of the movie. Gerald is, like, giving them a tour of the house. And one of the, like, three words he manages to mouth breathe is, is the owner's closet. There's a like, creepy yeah. closet, which is uh, one of many reasons that I would never move into this fucking house. Like, creepy a uh, landlord, weird owner's closet. Yeah, like, just of there, there are a then, lot of signs. But here. then you don't have he a movie. smells like you know decaying mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Or whatever she but says. but yeah. then you don't have a movie, and that's totally within bounds for movies like but this. He, you know, you always yeah. have the one place that's yeah. like Get Out, a fine film. Uh, you know, there's the, like, oh, we we a got black film. We got black mold in the basement. We don't go down there. And like the first scene, you're like, okay, there's also, something. This is in the, the Bay Area where housing is hard to come by. So yeah. you know what? Owner's closet. People will just fucking whatever. I didn't even realize see. that. There is a line where they're like, it's a little weird, but at this price, yeah. in this neighborhood, in this economy, yeah. in this yeah. zip code. Oh and my. they go get the rocking chair. They're like, fuck, we got to drive down to Santa Barbara today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, so there's no, uh, my problem is there's no shot of him like rooting through a box and be like, oh, we don't have a hammer. I guess we have to go in the owner's closet. He goes straight to this closet. He has Actually, no, no it's not that there. their hammer's lost. Yeah, it's, it's he's like, maybe there's one in the owner's closet. Isn't and it's just easier to it? find, I guess. He says they have one. We're, and we're he's getting pissed, down. So he's he like pissed, breaks into the owner's closet. Busts the door open. What does he see down there? Anybody? You, you know, it cuts away. You never see Nothing. what he sees down there. He, he, he puts us out. He like walks halfway down no, the stairs. No, he goes all the way down. He goes all the way down. He's down there for a minute, but we never follow We don't follow him down there he probably saw all the torture room he probably saw the torture <laughs> no. room F- listen you okay, guys there's nothing right. yeah, down there's there. nothing yeah there's exist. no lady down, down there yeah. what yeah. it is yeah. is there's a there's this some, some there's a hot water heater and like an area where you could chain up a woman but who would do that <laughs> but who would fucking do that <laughs> Gerald and who would think that's so a he's like guy. yeah there's nothing down here it's a basement it's not an right. owner's closet but like whatever and he comes back up and she's like oh my god I dropped a cup and he's like oh all right. Well, well, we'll be, while we're still um, on the slow boil, if you can call it that, part of this movie, um, mm-hmm. I want to mention that it reminded me a little bit of kind of the same kind of stuff, but done better in an old movie you might remember called One Hour Photo. Oh, hell yeah. Starring Robin Williams. Is I that, haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? Not okay. in a long time, but I remember liking it. I think it was like 1999 or 2000, something like yeah. that. And Robin Williams is the one hour photo developer technician whatever at the you know Walgreens or whatever and he like basically falls in love with like a family because he's a lonely guy he's like Gerald but not a like a cartoon character he's like your run of the mill like lonely socially weird guy and he watches the family through their photos and then like it escalates and he ends up breaking into their house and basically pulling a Gerald and looking at all their stuff and, and forcing you know. them to have sex in front of him at one point at one so point that happens fantasy. late on yeah. and, and there's an affair going on in that movie too that's why he does it didn't remember that. Yeah, so this is actually is just actually a gritty reboot of One Hour Photo starring Robin Williams. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I need to. I want to watch that now. Yeah, you I'm, definitely I'm should watch curious. it. In fact, you know what? If you're if if you're looking for a recommendation, forget about thirteen cameras. Watch One Hour Photo. Same movie, much better. Hey, you're skipping to your. And you're skipping for ahead. Being here today, everybody. No, I'm not skipping ahead. <laughs> I, and you, that's our cat. You, that's our You can watch more both. to discuss. There's so, more to discuss. So that's okay, so what, okay, come on, guys. So what happens when? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so Please, you know, Elizabeth. there's a few. I, again, this movie is a slow burn. There's a few creepy hints. They discover the owner's closet. It turns out to be a basement. Whatever. Most of the tension comes from the fact that the husband is having an affair with his assistant, and yes. the assistant continues to threaten to come to the house and like 
calls him repeatedly at 2 a.m., then somehow gets the wife's phone number and starts calling her. Mm -hmm. And much of the tension comes from the fact that she is going to show up at the house or, like, expose him. And you're kind of... Wondering if that's going to happen. There's some good scenes. Yeah. Some, then, it, then it does. I mean, we're jumping ahead quite a bit, but there's. I, I mean, really I don't not. think there's that much that to go, say. That goes on for quite a while. I don't think there's much to say about it. She does show up at the house because they need to have a booster installed um, for their Wi Fi or whatever the fuck. I oh, never yeah. Yeah, they don't have. Of course, and, with any horror movie, you have to have a way that there's no cell signal. Right. They don't and, have a cell service. And at, the this, at this place, it's that there's. Oh, there's no cell service at the house. You have to be in the backyard to get cell service. So inexplicably the wife is like can you have your assistant come give us a booster which you know whatever I don't know the ins and outs of like the Bay Area well that's why you crowd. thought he worked at the Verizon store yeah I think he works oh. at a cell phone company so, okay. so he's like yeah I'll do it but he doesn't want to have the assistant come because he's having an affair with her but Eventually, she shows no, up. No, at the no, no. I think you're wrong. He doesn't know that the yeah, assistant is the one who comes doesn't. to do it. The wife, he never takes care of it. So the wife calls on her own. Yeah, and right. someone comes over, and then he comes home and finds out that it's the assistant. He has no idea yeah, why she's shocked. in the house. Right. He's so he, so she, the assistant who which, he's been sleeping with comes over, and he comes home and finds the two women to, together in the kitchen. Which begs the question: Why does? the wife called the assistant. Why is that like the go-to? Right. She's like, I need the Wi-Fi installed. Why the, Maybe because he works at the Verizon store, but that's never clarified in the movie. So I, it, it's it's puzzling. Very contrived. I mean, it felt like they, they just spent a minimal of time, minimal yeah. amount of time setting up that the, the reason for the assistant being there because for this shitty of a script, that had to happen. It doesn't and, make any sense, but And I do want to still put in a good word for the assistant <laughs> because... She does. She does call everybody's phones a lot. But I was I was struck by how much like I didn't hate the assistant. She's not like Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction or something. No, no, she's no. not crazy. Like her motivations are like fairly solid. Like she's fairly reasonable. She's like quit being a dick, and then she starts getting a little tell your wife, but yeah, it's still she, not like well, boil your bunny crazy. Well, actually, there's an important scene kind of early on where she's hanging out with the husband, and they basically like say that they're in love with each other. Yeah, and, you know, and he's like. Uh, you're my true love, not my wife. I just, uh, I'm having a baby. Uh, so, you know, they tried. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, sorry. Well, if, very soon after that, this finally becomes a horror movie. Um, can yeah. uh, can anybody explain exactly it, why? It, because yeah. I don't remember exactly where it shifted. It, it's very late in the film, maybe last 15 minutes. All of the elements come in. Oh, no. No, no, no. Before no. that, before 20. that, you are forgetting a large the section of this movie. Yeah. We all watched this too. Oh long right, ago. The, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, so, yeah. I really, it good. is towards the end because it does take a long while what for this to happen. Is the assistant has been calling and calling, and she's like, "I'm coming over. I'm done with the." She lies. basically goes psycho. She, she goes. Tur she turns psycho. into Glenn Close, and the husband is mm. like, "Fuck, we have to get out of the house." So he tells his wife, "Let's go out to dinner. Let's go out to dinner. Let's go out to oh, dinner." Oh yeah. So they he drags her out to dinner. While they're out to dinner, indeed, the assistant shows up at the house and, um, you know, goes inside. And Gerald, the landlord, has been watching on the cameras, and this is his moment. And he goes in. And you kind of think, you know, again, they don't develop Gerald at all. Right, so I can only, yeah. I, I can, I treat it as an ad lib. I can only defer to what I learned from one hour photo about that character's <laughs> motivations. Because I feel like Gerald has some kind of affinity and investment in what's going on in the household, and that, like, he's not comfortable with the cheating that's going on. No, but you thought wrong, and, dude. And he's not comfortable with the assistant coming to the house about to ruin domestic tranquility. But, the, but he assistant. jerks off to the assistant. And at this point, he's already set up a torture chamber in the basement that has the most improbable and amazing soundproofing I've yeah, ever, but I could ever imagined. It's fine. Whatever. It's we ridiculous. need that right now for the room we're doing this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. He just puts up some like three like random pieces of foam on the door, and like he has like music playing in the basement to test it out. And he shuts the door. You can hear nothing. Yeah. So this woman gets trapped in the basement of this house. While the leash. couple is still living there. She's wearing a leash. She's wearing a leash. She's screaming, crying. They can't hear anything, no matter where they are in the house. Not not a single utterance from which, her. Yeah, which, yeah, Gerald maybe should leave the you know field of property management and go into, like, you know. We should hire him. We, Ener we energy him efficiency right consulting. Well, something. look, this would have been a good movie if Gerald was just, like, an insistent, like, affair ender. And was just, like... 
here to trap the lady. He was, who was burned at, by his ex. Yeah, and, no, like, but if he was like, to... I'm going to save this marriage, I will like trap this woman in a basement and you guys will repair your marriage. See, that would have been an interesting take. Instead, it turns out he's just a fucking creep. And well, he, like, well, but what? I, yeah, but the, the whole question is, I mean, you're exactly right. Like, what is his motivation? Like, what is he? Right. Why is he trapping her in the basement? He just well, likes he goes, the lady. After this point, he, he goes down to ladies. feed her occasionally. He, he doesn't them. do anything sexual with her. And he just... I, well... And now uh, he can no longer... No, we'll he doesn't. We'll talk about that well, in a moment. Eventually. No, we'll talk about that in a moment. I guess you're right. But yeah, I have a theory. His, okay. Which is that once the affair is exposed, there's no sex going on in that house. And he is sexually frustrated and decides to take action. He has nothing left to watch anymore. So he decides to create his own entertainment. I like that. I like I that I think that makes sense. It is not explicitly stated in the movie, but that's no. the way the chain of events unfolds. Yeah, you know, uh, this movie, it's just, it leaves enough questions that you can ad-lib a little bit and kind of, you know, write your own ending. Choose your own own Yeah, Choose your own... (laughs) Choose your own motivations and, you know, whatever. I mean, suffice it to say, we never... It's never explained what what the fuck his intentions are, what his motivation is. He traps the assistant in the basement, and the couple comes home, and he's still watching them on the cameras, but someone needs to remind me what motivates him to come back after he has the assistant in the basement. Like, what? Because there's like a Uh, climactic The assistant breaks out. Oh, and he has to go get her. Yeah. That's so right. at that point, um, you know, spoiler alert: the husband's been kicked out of the house because the affair's been exposed. So our emotional investment in this movie is done at that point. <laughs> kind of, we're like the ex- the affair's been exposed. Now what? Answer is Gerald's just going to show up and wipe everything up in ten minutes, which is exactly what happens. He kills everyone, and and that's it. <laughs> spoiler <End> alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! Hey man, let's hash it out a little bit. It's kind of an exciting scene. I mean. Well, the cad, who we all um, grew to hate exponentially more of the film, I believe is the first to die. Am I right? Yeah. Yep. He gets Yep, because he's sleeping on the, the couch. and The so, cad. <laughs> yeah. So he's sleeping on the couch, and Gerald comes in and beats him with a baseball bat. So he's done. And, um, Brutally. It, it was kind of brutal. What was brutal to me about it was that the wife overhears it. And, you know, that's that's a horrifying thing, you know, to hear your husband or wife being beaten to death. And you're powerless to do anything. And it happens in real life. And it is actually a nicely done scene because it's not a bloody scene. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was a laugh line. And I. (laughs) And you relate, Chris. I know. I mean, it hasn't happened to me, but, you know, it's only a matter of time. It does happen where there's, like, you know. (laughs) It is an effective scene, though, because, like, you don't see any blood. It's one of those scenes where it's very focused on just Gerald, like, just savagely, like, beating the hammer. It is a hammer. Yeah. And it's it's effective. I'll yeah, because the husband has yeah. a baseball bat. But before but he gets baseball right. bat, trumps or hammer trumps, trumps baseball, baseball bat. bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it is exciting or not exciting. Well, it's exciting, but that's not what we're going it's, for. It's, 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 it's it? more exciting than anything else in the movie. I mean, yeah, like you know, this is. But that, the, here's the thing, though: it's exciting, it's horrific, but again, though none of the horror in this supposed horror movie comes from the premise, which is that the thirteen cameras. He's watching you on thirteen cameras. Like, see, I mean, I disagree. I think that depends on your your perception of whether being surveilled is creepy or not. That creeps me out. It is, but you know what? I don't know. In this, I don't know why this is, but for me, like knowing that you're being surveilled is terrifying. Not knowing you're being surveilled mm. is fine because because like, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, like you have no feelings. No, about but then it. this movie raises the possibility that you could be like we could like Gerald could be watching all of us right now. Who cares? That's what this movie does. I don't care. Who's I mean, I don't. Me? I'm not saying it's horrifying, but I'm saying it creeps me a little bit. Dude, this is like the Patriot Act. I was like, you think it's this is a message movie? You think this is a political? film? I think it's a political film because when the Patriot <laughs> Act came out, I was like, tap my phone. I have nothing to hide. Yeah, and that's what I say about this movie: survey my house. Then you realize you realize you have something to hide. But then you realize you have something to hide after the government calls you, and you're like, "What's that conversation you were just having?" Anyway, yeah. So I mean, I don't know, just not because the movie. The most interest, one of the most interesting parts of the movie for me is when she actually starts to realize she's being surveilled, and well, that's that's, quick, that's tense because yeah. once you realize you're being surveilled, you're like a prisoner in your own home, and it's that's a bad situation to be in. If you're just taking a shower and some guy's watching you, I mean. You, what you don't know can't hurt you. Yeah. 
It's well, like, it, it um, can because well, she yeah, doesn't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and then it still comes back to her. To but her. there's, you know, there's, 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 I've seen there's other movies, you know, literally <laughs> riveting, Kill riveting scenes. Fact, yeah. Okay, well, she doesn't die. Well, what the, the the wife? Right. Yeah, I thought she was. I thought she was murdered as well. No, 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 no. Well. I guess you could say it's ambiguous, but I don't think... No, it's I, not ambiguous. It's, you don't see for a fact that she's alive, but she's, heavily implied I thought she alive. definitely I'm died. Sure she births the fucking baby. Where did you guys think she got? he got that baby? She was like 13 months pregnant. That baby was ready to pop at any moment. But right before... <laughs> I, I'm Do sure. you think he was like, hold on, and he let her give birth and then kill her? So I think, I think well, he just fucking cut the baby out of her after he killed her. Well, he's got a woman held captive at the end of the movie. And that's her. That's her. Yeah, yeah. I I, to- I 100% believe that's her. That's I, her. I can see where it's like, well, we didn't see if it was her, so maybe it's not her. That's her. That's your prerogative. Oh, no, that's right, it is her. That's your prerogative. For a minute, I thought he really murdered her. Maybe that's you right. do see her. We need to watch he, these he movies does... closer to doing the podcast. Well, no, no, no. I think where I was confused is he does beat her, right? Like, yeah, he it's does... a savage scene where I'm like, oh, shit, he just killed the pregnant and woman. And then abrupt cut to one of those flippant endings of any movie I've ever seen. I don't know if we want to get to it yet. Anything else uh, to discuss? You know, I got nothing well, else to say. Well, I want to just give a quick summary for our listeners. So he kills the husband who's been sleeping on the couch. Um, actually, it's kind of a you know, not touching scene, but the mistress and the wife are locked together in the bathroom because they're tr- they're tried to lock themselves in and they kind of teamed up and they're yeah. trying to call nine one one. There's but not they, really any bad blood between them. No, there's not bad blood. They're trying to survive. I mean, they're like, fuck it. We both slept with a douche. Whatever. <laughs> it's not worth me being it's, chained up. Yeah, in the it's basement not worth like either of us yeah. dying. Yeah. And um, they're trying to call nine one one, but of course there's no cell service in the house. And nine one one would take forty so, minutes to get see, there. See, to me, this was a classic line where the or classic situation where they're they're like, we have to get out the bathroom window, and the pregnant woman's like, I can't fit, and so the mistress is like, I'll go, and so she jumps out the window and tries to go out to the backyard where they have cell service to call 911 but as so often happens in horror movies like fumbles with her phone for 10 minutes and like can't dial three numbers and ends up getting dunzoed she gets drowned dunzoed. in the pool drowned in the pool which you see from the normal camera perspective you see it from the surveillance camera perspective and you also see it from the perspective of the surveillance camera that's inside the pool yeah so, you get a lot this guy, of views this guy spares no expense <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, then it's kind of, there's this scene where two policemen come into the house because the Gerald, the landlord, has been like, ah, haven't heard from my tenants in seven weeks. That was a good scene. I like that scene. I did, too. And the someone wanted to describe this instead of me. I've been talking for a while. Well, he's cleaned up the mess. There's nothing there. Nothing. Yeah, a couple a couple cops show up, and you think maybe they're responding, and you know, or, or, or you know, they're touring the house. Gerald's giving them the tour. He's like, yeah, haven't heard. Four weeks, no rent, hungry, and the cops are walking. <laughs> and the cops are walking around, and you know they're like, huh, huh. And you're just hoping, you're hoping that the cops like, are going to see something. Let there be something. a spot of blood. Let there be a piece of hair. Let there be something not right. And then the guy's like, oh, hold on, Gerald, we got to check the fucking owner's closet. And you're like, oh, this is it. No, no, everything looks, everything looks good. Uh, you know, you know, crazy, crazy uh, yuppies. What can you, what can you do? And so he and they off. notice the smell in the basement. They're like, "Oh, it smells like dead people down here." Let's <laughs> get out of here. And he's yeah, like, "Let's get out of and here." And he's like, "Animals, yeah." Yeah. And so the final scene is of Gerald throwing a fast food burger to an anonymous woman that he has chained up in his own apartment in a new. Yeah, house. again, for reasons unknown. Yeah, it's a new... He's got, like, a townhouse now. There's, like, neighbors who are like, Hey, Gerald, come by and fix my sink tomorrow. And he's like, tomorrow. But it's a new... So it's a new house that he's renting out, though. We should clarify. He's it's also, not, like, his oh, house, I, right? I, I, I thought, thought it was, it was like, matter. an apartment I thought it was complex. his apartment. I can't... Well, his his cameras aren't there, and I can't imagine he l- would leave them for very long because he likes his 13 it cameras. Seemed like, <laughs> it seemed like the girl who was asking him to come fix the whatever was like living above the new basement that he has someone chained up in. Can I just go on record and say I think I would like this movie better if it were just titled Cameras? 
Chris has some issues with the number. Yeah, you guys both have issues with the number. Do we want to get to this before we get no, to the ending? It's not worth talking it's about. Worth it's talking it's talking a ridiculous about. title. Why is like 13? Because it's an unlucky number? number. Okay, wait. Can I tell if you guys the original? If it had been 12 cameras, everybody would have been fine. <laughs> Everyone would have been fine having 12 cameras in their house. The, 13, you've crossed the line. There's an alternate title for the film. Do you all know the original title? Yeah. Slumlord. That was the original title that made the festival circuits under the title Slumlord, and then they retitled it 13. Because, because it doesn't yeah. place in a slum. It's not like, a slum. It's like yeah. a pretty upscale. <laughs> Seriously. Like, not upscale, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, it's upscale. Yeah. Upper yeah. middle class. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, there's a new house that he either lives in or doesn't, and then whoever was summarizing can continue to summarize, because I always forget Please, because we're up to the, the final Well, I mean, here. I think the... You know, the final scene is both amusing and horrifying because he has this woman chained up and you don't, you, at least I think, I presume this and Chris apparently presumed this. Chris, you it's just made woman. a horrific no, you guys face are right. in you my guys are right. No, it's the wife. It's the it wife. Is. Yeah, I it's don't the, agree. It's so, explicitly So he has the wife chained up in this new place and he's, and she's screaming and he says something to her and then he you you know he it follows the the camera follows him the one camera follows him out to his car he gets in the driver's seat of his truck and then there's this sort of cry and it pans over to a young baby yeah it's so so he's got he's got got a baby, baby and he's like Quiet down, Junior. Which honestly, based on what so we've he, seen, he might be a better parent than. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he's the 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 what do you call it the and the clincher is that the woman had the baby and he's racing it. Which who cares? I mean, I don't know. Again, it just kind of goes back to like, well, Gerald's gross. And he's a killer. I mean, then, yeah, by the end of the movie, you find out he's a killer. You're definitely not rooting for him. But it's like, Gerald is gross. The movie hangs a lot of shit on, well, Gerald's gross. And, you yeah, know, But that, that final line is so weirdly placed because there's literally almost no humor that's no. actually cast as humor up until that point in the movie. And that seems like something you're supposed to be like, <laughs> you know, kind of it's snicker tone at. deaf. And I'm still thinking yeah. about the woman. And you know what? I'm still thinking about the woman because, like, you know... Um, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, like, there have been women who have been held in houses for months, years, years yeah. and it's like, yeah, so that is a horrifying thing. But again, none of the horror in this movie comes from the alleged 13 cameras. And it winds up seeming like that's because the the movie lacks for any kind of a point or any kind of a clear, like, thesis statement so much that by the time you get to that final moment and it ends on that moment, it almost seems like the world's longest wind-up to the world's shittiest punchline. Yeah, it almost seems sure. like that joke yeah. is the point of the whole 90 minutes you just <laughs> right. watched. What if Gerald took your baby? It's like, it seems quiet like... Quiet down, Junior, and the curtain... Quiet down, Junior, and that's not even like... Couldn't they have worked in a better pun or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, if that's your punchline, if that's the point, like, make it a better punchline. <laughs> It is so totally different from everything else in the film. It was embarrassing for me to watch. I mean, to think that, like, they actually thought this was funny. But also, it's uh, that trope. That, or edgy. Like, yeah, that's probably a better word yeah. for what they would have thought. I mean, especially with the, the kind of music they end the film with. Yeah. sort of, like, brash alternative rock. A song yeah. called Amphetamine as well, which, like, has seemed to have nothing to do with the movie. This guy's singing about being high in amphetamine. Hmm. Maybe that's Gerald's motive. He's a, he's a drug addict, and we <laughs> never knew. Just give me something. Just give me something <laughs> to pretend <laughs> Motive. Yeah, because there's almost there's very little music in the whole movie. I think there are a few. There's like, that stock, you know, the stock like suspense wind up kind of music. Yeah, and yeah. then it's like quiet down, Junior, and, and it's like. Well, it feels like it's setting up for a sequel, which is a trope that I'm so sick of at this point. Oh, there's a sequel. Decades. There is a sequel coming. I don't know if you saw Are this. Are you serious? There's 14 a cameras. Sequel in development <laughs> called 14 cameras. No fucking way. Chris, Not- are you shitting us? Uh, did you? I thought you knew. I thought that's why you said it. No. No. Literally, there's a sequel planned, and it's going to be called 14 Cameras. Because wow. why not? Still with Gerald. I'm sure. I hope so. I'm sure they would not. Gerald. So here's the he's thing. the new Tobin Bell. Gerald, like the writing of this movie, put aside. I think there is some, some potential in the Gerald character. He was visually interesting. I was intrigued. I want to know more about him. I would he see gives him, a great you know, performance. I mean, I saw a picture of him online, and I was like, oh, wait, that's the same dude. There's there's nothing wrong with Gerald in this movie that couldn't be fixed with how they treat Gerald in a second movie if they do a better job. Dude, maybe he'll turn Agree, into... Steve? Maybe he'll turn into, like, <laughs> post-first post Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy, where he's just going to, like, joke and make puns constantly. <laughs> 
Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, what? Um, briefly, you know, my final real thought on this movie is I did have a nightmare about this movie. So if that counts for something in the horror movie universe. Oh, t- tell us. Tell what happened? Um, yeah, what was the nightmare? Um, I family? was in a, I don't know if it was a home or an office. And Were you the baby? Were you in the car seat in Gerald's no, car? No, yeah, but Gerald, it was basically the ending of the movie where, like, I knew Gerald was on the premises and... I was trying to escape the premises and avoid Gerald, and I knew that, like... Because the one thing, the one attribute... He doesn't have any character, but he does physical attributes. He seems to be very strong and dangerous at close range with a variety of instruments. So I was like, he could be around this corner with a hammer. I need to stay really wide of the hammer if I want to run by this this corner. Has anyone had... Who's who has had the landlord that's closest to Gerald? Has anyone had a landlord that like you think could have been a Gerald? All my landlords have been fucking sweethearts. Okay, all right. So not you, Steve. The closest experience I had was not a landlord but a neighbor. Do you remember Farmer Dave? Oh when yeah, I lived down the country. Yeah, Farmer neighbor Dave. who uh, paid very close attention to even the lighting choices that I made in my house when he had never been inside of it. <laughs> um, another story for another time. LED saves money. <laughs> Elizabeth, have you ever had a Gerald as a landlord? No, I mean, my most... My landlord right now is like a husband and wife team who are lovely, and the landlord before that was literally an 89-year-old woman from Alabama. Mm. So, n- no, no Gerald. Although, mm-hmm. hey, actually, who knows whether if 89-year-old women can do a lot. So, mm-hmm. Patrick, did you have a Gerald landlord in your past? I did have a landlord who had a creepy basement that backed up one time and he accused me of flushing tampons down the toilet and causing the flood in the basement. That was pretty close to Gerald, but we had a much closer... I've never heard that story. Yeah, yeah me neither. That happened. That happened. Uh, but we had an even closer to 13 cameras experience recently when we rented an Airbnb in Detroit. Uh, pretty cool place. Beautiful house near the... Uh, canals uh coming off the detroit river and elizabeth rented it specifically because there was a tiki bar in the backyard and so we went outside it was kind of late we'd had a few drinks and we went to the tiki bar and elizabeth was like very nicely pouring me a drink and all of a sudden this happened almost simultaneously i don't know which one of us noticed it first well i was like trying to be all flirty and like serve patrick a glass of wine and i kind of looked at his face and i saw this sort of Register of like surprise at his face, and I was like, mm, and I like turned around to see what he was looking at, and I noticed that there was a camera positioned right above the tiki bar. And I like tried really hard to mask whatever reaction was on my face because we were like having fun. I didn't want to kill whatever the vibe was, even though that was creepy. And so you kind of gave me this horrified look, and I was like. Why are you making that face? And at first I tried to hide it too. And then finally I was like, okay, there's a camera like there. (laughs) (laughs) And we, you know, and and we talked about it at the time. And I think this is kind of the question that the movie raises. It's like at the time we were like, well, what, like, again, what do we have to hide? Like if someone is watching us drink some wine and talk to each other in this backyard, like, do we really care? Do we, but like also... I think I cared less because it was pointed at the door, not directly at the TV. Yeah, bar. it wasn't directly watching us. It seemed like it could have been a security camera. I, I mean, they were probably—they probably just had a camera on the back door in case of break-ins or something like that. But it still creeped me. Sur- surveillance still creeps me. I think more than it does the three of you because I was talking a big game. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, let's let him watch us drink some wine." But I was still like, "That still weirds me out." And you know, I think it—you know—we had one glass of wine and we went inside. I think maybe we <laughs> would have had three glasses of wine if there wasn't a camera. There. Yeah. So, so, you know, what can surveillance, you surveillance. It, it curtails your ability to drink wine. I think we can say that at the bare minimum. Well, thank God there weren't 13 cameras. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. I mean, 13, there may have been. Yeah. We, we only found one, but who knows how many more there were. Well hidden. So uh, do we want to review the movie now? What, yeah. What did we think? What final thoughts? How do we rate it on the view it, cue it, screw it scale, everybody? I, Chris, who I'd like you to start. I'm interested. All right. Um, I'm going to say screw it. Um for me, this was a movie... The best way I can describe this movie and the problem with it is it was completely devoid of humanity. Like, this movie had no interest in the characters of any of these people and had no, no sympathy, really, for many of these characters. And it was just like, let's just put some people in the house and some things are going to happen and then everyone's going to die. And I don't know. We're supposed to be titillated by them getting killed or watched in the shower and... 
there is there is no human element to this movie. It, it, like you know, you want to see a better movie? One hour photo, <laughs> similar themes. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't get as violent as this movie, but it is very disturbing. Um, but the villain is actually you know interesting in that one. Patrick, view it, cue it, or screw it. I can't really say it any better than you just did. I'm, I'm right down there with screw it. You know, total sort of lack of humanity i mean a horror movie should reveal something interesting or insightful about humanity or if everybody's just gonna be a huge asshole in it who you hate it should at least be fun to watch everybody die this wasn't even fun it it, there was zero entertainment value the final like punchline that was supposed to be fun or funny just felt sort of sick to me the deaths felt obligatory didn't they yeah yeah i you know Zero, zero redeeming value, really. Other than you know what, I, I, I'll, I'll put in a good word for the actor. I forget the actor's name who played Gerald. You know, solid performance. Good job, dude. With what he had. Hopefully, to work they with. give you something better to do in fourteen cameras. I'm sure he's in something else. We'll have to see. Maybe we'll see it on Netflix. Otherwise, you know, I mean, we we try and give these movies the benefit of the doubt. We try and approach them on their own level. But this, you know, this movie just made me feel kind of terrible for watching it. So screw it, Elizabeth. Um, well, actually, I have one... I had a comment that I wanted to say earlier, and I didn't get the chance. And um, that is that for, like, a movie where people are getting filmed when they don't know it, it was sort of disappointingly not gratuitous. Like, there's no... I mean, like... Not enough nudity. Yeah, there's no... Hold on a minute. There is some Brian De Palma full frontal nudity in this movie. In the shower scene... Yeah, it's almost pressing against the camera. Yeah, I would say but full like frontal. it's not. It's not a no. It's not full frontal. You don't really see frontal. below the belt. I'm pretty close. From well, the, the movie's trying not to have Brian it. De Palma. De Palma just De Palma's like no. Like I, if you're gonna make this kind of movie, then I think you need to show the truth. And like that's that. There's fucking naked people walking around a house. And like I'm not saying that I'm like waiting for that, but I felt like it was tried to be some sort of classy movie. And like you know, she jumps in the pool and starts to like wiggle off her bathing suit, and then the camera cuts. I mean, there are there are glimpses of nudity, um, all glimpses. done with body doubles and not the main cast. I noticed in the credits. Um, and but it's like it seems like it's trying to titillate you. It, right. like, I didn't feel like I was supposed to be repulsed. Kind of like Elizabeth is doing right now with telling us whether she would view it, cue it, or screw it. No, I <laughs> you're just, just titillating us. You're just like wiggling no, off I know your bottom. I think that was a really good point to I make, just wanted to comment that like it's for a movie that like claims to be a surveillance movie you think you would just like see the down and dirty and you really don't which like eh, i was kind of like just show it or maybe it didn't know how to show it with while making it disgusting and not like erotic or titillating i think they should have made it erotic like show us this movie from the point of gerald and that's a view it <laughs> so the movie as it exists. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, the movie as it exists. Um, I would say for me, cue it. I thought it was. I wasn't bored, and also, again, I think it's fascinating. It's a tough thing to make a movie where there is no sympathetic characters, and also everyone is sympathetic. Where you're changing your like viewpoints from every time. Like I didn't hate anyone in that movie, and I also hated everyone. And I think that that is harder to do than one might think so i would say cue it you know whatever i don't know much about horror but it was a little bit scary at the end i thought it was worth i wasn't bored cue it if you want to watch a movie about surveillance or if you are bored or like pregnant people okay Okay. steven (laughs) i say if you want to watch a movie about surveillance you could do a lot better you could watch the conversation francis Mm. ford coppola blowout brian de palma uh, the Lives of Others, many other great movies about surveillance. This is not one of them. This is a movie that uh, is is pure exploitation and doesn't even really commit to it. I think Elizabeth brought up a great point. There's a scene where the husband is testing the water in the shower and he has his underwear on. Like, he's home alone. He's also got the door closed. He doesn't know he's being surveilled. Who does that? Like, if I'm going to take a shower, I get in the bathroom, I take my clothes off. Why not? This is a movie that is uh, preying on sort of the prurient desires of the audience to see the lives of these people behind closed doors, and it doesn't pay off in any way. It doesn't really turn into a horror film until the last 20 minutes. The villain is uh, completely underdeveloped. Screw it. 
Well said. Wouldn't bother. So what are we watching next week? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it's better than 13 cameras. Hopefully there's more like asses for you two. <laughs> yeah, next what week. was that exchange about? Next. We can cut this, but I have to know what was going on there. You guys were giving each other a look. I, I mean, oh, Chris was just like smiling really widely, and I wasn't no, sure I, why. I so was I was trying to figure off. out why. Dude, if there's going to be a movie about surveillance, I want to see a butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it. We saw some butts. Not enough. I want full frontal. I want. Apparently I didn't get it, though. I thought I did. No, yeah. Well, you, you gotta, just dreamed it. You gotta pay well, there, your, there are websites for you, too. <laughs> you okay. gotta pay your actors above, like, minimum scale to, to get butts. All right, Chris, Maybe. what are we watching next week, dude? <laughs> uh, um, well, next week, I hope we're watching a movie a little better than 13 cameras. It's 1920 London. Fear Strikes Again. A little period piece, maybe. How many colons are in that title? Not enough. So join us again next week, 1920 London. You don't want to miss it. Um, And, hey, while you're at it, go online. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's Emoncast, or is it Amoncast? I say Amon. I say Amon. Amon. Amoncast. Amoncast. E-H-M-O-N cast. And we're on social media on at that handle. And you can always subscribe, like, review, whatever on iTunes and all your podcast services. Please review. We hear it helps us a lot. Um, and that's it for the show. Uh, I'm Chris Slatt. I produced the thing. Steven Sonoris produced our dank theme song. I did. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Until next time, this is Every Horror Movie on Netflix. Thanks.